monumental savings event is happening now at Unclaimed Freight Furniture. Shop an unmatched selection of styles now 20% off. Plus, take time to pay with five years no interest financing. Fine guaranteed lowest prices on home accents starting at just $129. Doorbuster living room finds over 40% off. Can't miss marble dining sets under $700. Plus, thousands off complete bedroom additions. Hurry to shop these monumental savings in-store at Unclaimed Freight Furniture or shop now at unclaimedfreightfurniture.com. You are listening to a Live Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Capital Calculus, the show which focuses on the intersection of politics and economics, something that is critical in democracies like India. Every week, this show will explore this intersection to try and give you a fresh perspective on the week that was. I am your host, Anil Padmanabhan. Last week, the Union Government unveiled the New Education Policy, or NEP 2020 as they call it. It is only the third time that India is attempting to change its education policy in the last seven decades. This time though, it is going beyond the incremental tweaks. It is the touchstone for radical change. The NEP ticks off all the boxes. Inclusion, equity, experiential learning, teacher education, multidisciplinary degree courses, name it. A game plan, if you ask me, too good to be true. Especially when stacked against the reality. The existing education framework in the country can be summed up in two words, below par. Exactly why I asked the question, will NEP 2020 then fall prey to the old maxim? Perfection can be the enemy of good. After all, making it good may be easier. To answer this and more, I turn to Meeta Sengupta, one of the foremost voices on education in the country. She argues with both passion and reason, a rare qualification, and hence the perfect go-to person. I began by asking her about her takeaways on school education. I think the NEP 2020 is a historic document, not just because it's come after 34 years uh, uh, after the previous uh, national education policy, but because it finally signals a change away from being an administrator's uh, arena, education being an administrator's arena, to being something that is genuinely for students. For example, when they have given freedom to students in school from class 9, 10, 11, 12 to choose their own subjects regardless of streams. All subjects have become equal, which means if I want to choose to do physics and want to do the guitar at the same time to a certain level, I have the freedom to do that. If I'm a good sports person, I can actually take that and, and get equal value in my progression in life. That's amazing freedom. The NEP 2020 has one driving motto. Not only should children learn, but more importantly, they need to learn how to learn. Absolutely. Students so far have learned how to take exams. In fact, I'm not sure whether actual learning has really happened after a certain stage because all of us, especially from class 9 onwards, 
have been skilled in test taking. I am actually particularly good at test taking. I do very well in tests. But does that mean that I fundamentally understand what I have uh, engaged with? Have I actually engaged with it? Can I play around it? Can I manipulate the idea to build something? Can I be creative? Can I put it in logical steps and know that I will be able to build something useful for myself or society and create value? So learning how to learn is actually a critical skill that creates value in the world. At the same time, we must also understand that India is transforming, changing in so many fundamental ways. So is NEP 2020 inherently flexible to address these emerging unique challenges? Take for example internal migration. Odias and Bengalis are everywhere in Kerala. So will the new framework make it possible for their children to also learn their mother tongue in school? I think it does offer flexibility, but I have to admit, what a great question you asked. I have to admit it doesn't offer enough flexibility. But if you layer it on with what has happened after the draft NEP, and that is the pandemic, I always say COVID has come as a catalyst for learning. Because all the schools who did not want to go on to online learning, who did not want to move on to flexible models, were suddenly forced to do that. So now if you layer the national education policy and its intent to be flexible with the skills and the, and the networks and, and the physical infrastructure of online learning that we have created now, we actually are in a great place, specifically to the language question, to be able to offer multilingual resources. So if I am a Punjabi mother with a Bengali uh, husband who, uh, who has children studying in Bangalore, I can actually accept for a little while, I, even if I accept that my, my child will learn in the language of play and I would want my child to learn in the in, uh, Kannada when we are there. But at the same time, I would also love to have these multilingual resources available to my child as a student in the other languages, including the language of mobility which is English. So when you're talking about these movements, I think we are talking about social mobility, we're talking about economic mobility and not just geographic mobility. And to be able to enable that, we now have the resources with technology. Two years ago, we could not have said this, but now we can. Implicit in NEP 2020 is that the stepmotherly treatment of government schools will cease. The Aam Admi Party in Delhi showed us that this can be done. Question is whether the NEP can help scale such ideas. So the Delhi experiment was fantastic because not only did they fundamentally understand that it's not just about gentrification, gentrification is an incentive uh, to engage. So they used gentrification as an incentive to engage but what they did was they actually introduced social and emotional learning using different names. They called it happiness curriculum for the younger years and they called it entrepreneurship curriculum for the, for the higher years. And of course, there was some element of focus on happiness and some on entrepreneurship. But all of it was about the personal development of the child in life skills that were absolutely essential at that stage. And how can you not engage in social and emotional learning 
across the country. You have to scale it up. The NEP has elements of that, and it and and not only that, there's in, enough and more work happening across the world that will bring us learning and inspiration, some fantastic research happening, learning, inspiration, and ideas on how to engage with it in the classroom. Another standout feature of NEP 2020 is that teachers have been accorded the central role in achieving this ambitious transformation of education in the country. I asked Meeta to share her thoughts. Maybe one has to thank all the consultations that happened in the NEP and all the civil society inputs that went into the NEP for, for this. Because in the past one year, uh, one decade, I would say at least, I've been watching it closely for a decade, teacher motivation, teacher training, teacher upskilling, teacher engagement has been a huge part of the civil society effort. Teachers have real, and, and we have begun to understand what works. Some states adopted teacher circles, other states uh, worked with the private sector in, in teacher improvement programs. And this has definitely shown better outcomes. So the civil society, now that it, it, it entered into the impact world, you know, whenever you take money from a charity like the Gates Foundation, you have to demonstrate impact. They actually not only trained the teachers, they had to demonstrate that there was an impact on learning outcomes. And over time, this has become so good and so, I would call it reasonably refined, that it was inevitable that this would show up in the new education policy. We know that teachers are absolutely at the front line of learning. Teachers are the fulcrum of making change happen. And when teachers care, magic happens in the classroom. Like I said right at the outset, there's one nagging concern. The plan is perfect while the reality is frightening. Obvious question then, will perfection be the enemy of good? You're right. If we try to make it perfect, we're not going to get to it. But if we are cynical about it, we are definitely not going to get to it. So I think each of us needs to find out, each of us as an educator, needs to find our level with our students. And it's a level kind of issue. It's an umbrella term I'm using. Our level with our students where we make it productive and we make it about student progress. I think if we just hold on to these two things. How do you progress the student in with the freedom and the resources that have been given to you? And how do you make sure that the student makes it better? My personal motto is make it better with the freedom and the resources that have been given to you. As long as every day as an educator, you are making sure that one good step forward is taken every day, there will be progress. It may not be perfect, but that progress is going to be incredibly valuable for every student and therefore for the entire generation. We often wonder about the objectives of education. They mean different things for different people. What about for those at the bottom of the pyramid? Meeta shared a poignant tale with me, which left me humbled. I would actually love to relate a story to you. I was running a workshop in, um, uh, in an area of Delhi that still has open gutters, uh, which I think is a sign of development or not, uh, unauthorized colonies probably. And we were, we were talking to stu uh, parents and we had 20 parents in every room and we were running five rooms across three days. So it was a fairly intense uh, consultation with parents. 
And we asked parents for the first time, what do you want from your school? What education should we be getting you more marks uh, from the students? What should our schools be delivering to you? And all of them amazingly said, we want them to be better neighbors to their community. We want them to be able to handle their community networks better when they grow up, useful to their neighbors. I found that incredibly moving. And to the point that you make about the, the, the social exclusion, etc., none of that remains, none of that becomes important if we remember that, that our education system is not just about marks and learning outcomes, but it is about making better neighbors. If that tale humbled you, then here is a sobering insight. No country has been able to make it to the global high table without fixing the education handicap. NEP 2020 promises to overcome this by democratizing education, making it accessible to all. The reality though is very scary. To share just one factoid, one in four Indians are illiterate. This is seven decades after independence. Don't get me wrong. We should always aim high, but don't lose sight of reality is all I'm saying. That's all for today. Thank you for listening. You can reach me on Twitter at Capital Calculus or on Facebook and Instagram at HT Smartcast. I'll be back next week with a new episode of Capital Calculus. Till then, stay safe. This was a Livement production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast. I'm Annie Apple and I'm here to invite you to come and listen to my new podcast series, Raising April. It's the most intimate sports related conversations you will hear. Each week, we explore the journeys of some of your favorite NFL players through the eyes of those that know them best. From Joe Burrow, DeAndre Hopkins, Miles Garrett, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick and Joey Boza, just to name a few. With exclusive insights and information, we leave no stone unturned. Subscribe now to Raising a Pro on your favorite podcast app.